T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Are you anticipating this might result in any sort of suspension or anything for you later this season? Well, I respect, you know, whatever the Big Ten decision that they make. Um, you know, it's it's up to them, and I will respect whatever decision they end up uh, making. The voice of Jawan Howard yesterday after the fracas in Madison with the handshake line between Michigan and Wisconsin. The fallout occurring this evening. Howard has been suspended by Michigan for the remainder of the regular season. So that's five games. He's been fined a record $40,000 by the Big Ten. It's the highest fine ever levied by the conference. Two players on the Michigan roster have been suspended. One game effective immediately, Terrence Williams II and Musa Diabate. And then for Wisconsin, the head coach, Greg Gard, fined $10,000, no suspension. And player Jacoby Neath suspended for one game effective immediately. There has been a... Statement released by Jawan Howard. I'm going to read it right now. Quote, after taking time to reflect on all that happened, I realized how unacceptable both my actions and words were and how they affected so many. I am truly sorry. Howard goes on to say, I am offering my sincerest apology to my players, their families, my staff, my family, and the Michigan fans around the world. I would like to personally apologize to Wisconsin's assistant coach, Joe Krabenhoff, and his family, too. Lastly, I speak a lot about being a Michigan man and representing the University of Michigan with class and pride. I did not do that, nor did I set the right example in the right way for my student athletes. I will learn from my mistake and this mistake will never happen again. No excuses. The statement tonight released by suspended Michigan head coach Jawan Howard for his actions yesterday during the handshake line following the loss to Wisconsin in Madison. Hi everyone, a pleasant good evening to you. Zach Sabeman here broadcasting live from the Hyundai studios. And we're here until 9 o'clock. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. The score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Initially, I texted Stacey Dales from NFL Network this morning and I asked her, hey, can you join us tonight on the show to talk football? And we're going to do a lot of that. But because she was a standout point guard at Oklahoma and a player in WNBA, I'd love to get Stacy's thoughts on this 
as well. And Stacy joins us on the Score Hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Hi, Stacy. It is a pleasure to talk to you, not just football, but I think a little college basketball, too. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the events speak for themselves. Good to be with you, Zach. Um, and, you know, obviously, I, I heard you're open there to kick off the top of the hour. I just think it's disappointing. I mean, I, 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 uh, I understand, you know, that emotions get fueled by various things. and um, But you, you are serving as an example for your college student-athletes. So, um, it's remarkable punishment, a remarkable fine, and um, I think when when you get a you know when you levy such suspensions and you know the monetary element of it, the forty thousand dollars, I think it's the you know massive fine um, in college hoops. You're sending a message that this is uncalled for in our game, and um, you know it's. Uh, Juwan Howard will always be a player in my mind, and one of the greatest that I've ever seen play. So uh, I guess that's how I would look at it. Is it one of those things where, especially at the college level, you expect more from the adults in the room? Because you're not just a coach, Mm -hmm. you're an educator at that level. Yeah, I think so. Um, The the problem with it at that level is, you know, things are said that we don't see or hear. So you know, whatever the history that lies between these men and these teams, um, a lot of that is unforeseen to us. And, you know, it could be one instance or one snap or, you know, in this in this case, the lead of the game that sparked, you know, Juwan's issue with, with what was happening. And um, you are the beacon. And listen, I've been in situations as a former basketball player where, you know, you get into just an altercation with another player. I mean, you go toe to toe with somebody to draw a technical foul, and it, it and you have to be separated. Um, you always kind of hope that your coaches are the, the the sort of redeeming factor of calm, cool, collect. So, I mean, it's surprising. I think everybody will learn a lesson from it, Zach, um, and certainly uh, Coach Howard. I mean, listen, I, I like I'm a big fan of Juwan Howard, so. <laughs> Um, I would love to know some of the nuances and innuendos that went into, you know, that ultimate sort of altercation at the end of that game. But uh, you just never want to see it, and you hope it doesn't happen again. And I think because of the suspension that, like I said, has been levied, maybe this doesn't happen again moving forward. Yeah, apparently Michigan was pressing, although Howard didn't call it that. He just he called it a different kind of defense. But apparently they were pressing the walk-ons mm-hmm. that were in for yeah. Wisconsin at the time. The game was out of hand. Wisconsin calls time. Howard didn't like that. And then obviously we saw what happened during the handshake line. Uh, yeah, and well, you also, you're exactly right. It was the, you know, I think it was about a 15-point lead as I've gone back and kind of looked at it all. And um, there were reserves in there, walk-ons, and, you know, as a coach, that hits your pride. It also affects the psyche of your team. And, you know, we see in the NFL just right, you know, situations down the stretch where a coach decides to do something. Uh, you know, I know there were a couple instances last year when I'd have to go back and look. But, you know, whether it's the formation, right, as the, the you know, the, the zeros are coming about um, to end the game or just decisions that are made um, by opposing coaches that, you know, why would you do that? Like you see those things come out and um, you, you know, you might not see a handshake after the game. That's the, <laughs> that's the difference here. But <laughs> this was one for, uh, you know, I think uh, the viral moments that uh, people are fascinated by. This was one, one of those. 
All right. Stacy's job now is as a reporter for NFL Network. She's been busy the last few weeks covering uh, the Super Bowl out in Los Angeles. Next week, she heads to the scouting combine. Uh, there's never an off time in the National Football League. So let's start with the playoffs in general, because we take a look here in Chicago, obviously, at everything from a, a Bears vantage point. What did you learn watching the NFL playoffs in totality? And we know it's a, a copycat league. So what are the other teams in the league going to try and take away from what transpired this postseason? Goodness, where do I start? I mean, this is this is unquestionably a passing game. And if you can't get to the quarterback and you can't have a quarterback that can throw the ball and, and execute your offense, you're not going anywhere. But then I think the model of not just the Rams this year, Zach, but Tampa, of course, last year, just having dynamic play at the wide receiver position. So, um, And the value of special teams, I think that is just absolutely critical because the Green Bay Packers, to me, go to a Super Bowl um, if, you know, this year, if, their special teams is quality. And when you put them up on a scale of 10, 10 being great and one being bad, they were a one. And it was the detriment to their football team because they were an opportunistic defense. They had the MVP quarterback and the, you know, arguably alongside Cooper cup and a couple other guys, the best receiver in football and Devonte Adams. So um, when I look at a team like green Bay, I think to myself, okay, now Rich Passaccia, who was the interim head coach for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, as we saw him do really a miraculous job in the AFC West in getting that team into the dance, really. Um, some of the games they won down the stretch were tremendous. And, um, you know, just to, just to have a say in the matter, because he did an outstanding job, he'll now be the special teams coach. So that will improve substantially. He is an outstanding coach. But you look at a team like Green Bay, you've got to be more dynamic at receiver. And, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is a, is a free agent. Devontae Adams is a free agent. Equinemius St. Brown, a free agent. They have a lot of work to do with their receiver room. And so you think about the difference that separates the, a team like the L.A. Rams, who were fantastic in all three phases. They really were. Um, and then the Cincinnati Bengals, who were pretty good outside of really poor offensive line play throughout the course of the year. I mean, Joe Burrow, in in a full season, he was sacked more than any quarterback, but, like, in the playoffs alone, Zach, this guy was, like, taken down, you know, I don't know exactly what the final number was, 21, 22, something like that, sacks just in the postseason. So, you know, they'll be doing work in their offensive trenches this year in Cincinnati, but... You have to have all that. You have to have the right blend, and you have to be dynamic. You know, it's really sad to see kind of what, you know, along those lines happened to Odell Beckham Jr. to tear his ACL in such a big game when he was having such an outstanding performance. And I think he was the difference, his evolution through the end of the season, because they acquired him in November. But he, in the playoffs, he stretched the field for them. Cooper Cup did his thing. Um, and, you know, I just – really impressive um, what that team did and what they put together, adding Vaughn Miller. So I, I just think, you know, to answer your question short, it, it's you've got to be dynamic at the skill positions, and you have to be pretty good in all three phases. And you have to be able, in my opinion, to overcome the ability to make excuses because think about what you were saying about Cincinnati. There's nothing dynamic about their offensive coaching staff. 
the offensive line issues have been well documented. Joe Burrow in his first two years in the league has been battered. Mm-hmm. He still makes plays. He still finds a way to win. He still found a way to knock off the top teams in the AFC on their way to a Super Bowl. And they came really close to upsetting the Rams in that big game. And then when you look at L.A., you know, they could have made all the excuses in the world when they lost Robert Brooks. Then they lose in the Super Bowl. Odell Beckham Jr. was on his way to having a monster game the way it looked early on, right? So he goes down with the ACL, and yet... They still found a way when they needed the big drive late, they got it, scored a touchdown, and then when they needed the big plays late defensively, found a way to make those plays happen. And yet, here in Chicago, all I heard were excuses for why things continued to go wrong for the Bears. Yeah, I think you raised great points. Um, accountability is so important, and you and I talk a lot off off record, Zach, just about football and sports in general. And I think we both at one point reminisced about Chris Ballard's closing statement from the, the 2021 campaign where we saw the Indianapolis Colts, who should have been in the playoffs, have a complete meltdown. I was at their game in week 18, Jacksonville lost. I was at their Raiders game the week prior, a loss at home. They melted down. Why? Well, there's a lot of things that go into it, but Chris Ballard, stood up there in front of everybody. You, you remember what I'm saying. He spoke for over an hour to the media. And he says, it's my fault. And he, I don't know if I've ever seen him as angry and disappointed and frustrated in all the years I've gotten to know him than he was after a complete underachieving season. But when you think about it, the quarterback fell apart. I mean, he said multiple times in his presser, I talked to Carson yesterday. you got to make layups. What are layups, Zach? Well, <laughs> outside of, like, a dunk, they're a near-perfect opportunity to score. It's a layup. That's why they call it a layup. It should be easy. It should be seamless. You shouldn't really miss any of them. And he missed a lot of underneath stuff, um, a lot of shallow stuff in the past game, which doesn't dispute his arm and how big his arm is. Like, Justin Fields has a huge arm. But how long do you hold the football? How does that affect your offensive line? And now what's the result in your receiving and pass game production? And he held the football too long at times. He missed short throws. And I, I'll be fascinated when you mentioned the Bears to see how Luke Getze and his quarterback coach, um, Andrew Janoco, uh, excuse me, um, who spent several years re- most recently in Minnesota, but they have ties back to Pittsburgh. They both went to Pittsburgh, um, both played the position. I mean, Luke Getze played quarterback. Just how they look at Justin Fields and develop that huge arm. He has a massive arm. But how can they get the football out of his hands quickly? How much do they add in the draft? Currently, they got six picks in the draft, starting in the second round, I believe, at 47. Uh, no, excuse me, 39. With five picks. I'm getting my teams confused. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Bears, I think, right now have five picks. And start at 39. That The offensive line needs major work. I mean, Jason Peters is a free agent. James Daniels is a free agent. Uh, Jermaine Fetty is a free agent. Um, but they have to be better there, and, and they need to help this young man um, perform at his best. And so when you think of Luke Getze, uh, how do you take your West Coast principles offensively, marry it with an outside rush zone scheme that, you know, he comes from the Shanahan tree, and how does that manifest for Justin Fields this season? It's always about the quarterback first. It's always about quarterback pressure next. 
and who can protect best. And I think the teams that do that win. Talking football with Stacey Dales of NFL Network here on The Score. I've got so many thoughts based on what you just said, but I think we have to start overall and zoom out and look at the NFC North because what happens with the other teams in division ultimately will impact where the Bears are in terms of their development. So let's start with Green Bay because Mm -hmm. Tom Clements gets hired, uh, comes back to Green Bay. He's very tight with Aaron Rodgers. What should we read into that? Well, the fact that twelve hasn't made a decision on his future. So there's there's three scenarios that Aaron Rodgers could go through. Number one, he retires. And he did say a couple times, I'm not gonna keep people hanging on this like last off season, I'm gonna make a decision. So I expect one soon. Um, number one, he could retire. Number two, he could re- return and be a Packer. And number three, he could request a trade. I my personal opinion is that he stays and I think they restructure a long-term extension because right now his cap hit is significant. Their team, Zach, is so under the water in the red from a cap standpoint. You probably are going to see Zadarius Smith, who's a 27 point something million dollar cap hit disappear from the roster. Um, and they're going to probably have to cut some other players in order to, to, you know, keep the nucleus of their team together. But I see, I see some a few cuts and maybe some restructuring of deals, um, such as we saw with Preston Smith most recently, where he restructured. Um, and and that could be Aaron Rodgers if he opts to stay, because you mentioned Tom and he's a big Tom guy. Um, that's a possibility. But like I said earlier, they have some major things to answer with their receivers. Devontae Adams is going to demand a high price. Will they franchise tag him, or will they trade him? Because um, as they stand right now, they've got seven picks in the draft. They do have a first rounder, and um, a second and a third. Could they add or add more to that? Do they draft? It's a pretty deep receiving group this year in the draft. Pretty deep in terms of cornerbacks um, and secondary type guys. You know, where do they go in that direction? Understanding too that from an outside linebacker standpoint, they need to beef that area up with the possibility of the Darius leaving. Is Minnesota Stacy looking for a new quarterback, or do you think Kirk Cousins is going to be there this year? I think he's going to be there. I don't think Kevin O'Connell, the new head coach, um, takes that job thinking I'm getting rid of Kirk Cousins, who's a 4,000 automatic passing quarterback in the NFL for multiple years now. Um, I, I, you know how I feel about Kirk Cousins. Um, if if I had a list of five quarterbacks. He'd probably be my last one that I would want. I like him, you know, in some some ways. Obviously, I think he's really productive. I think they have dynamic players on the outside and a really good running back, actually two, and Delvin Cook and Alexander Madison. I'm just not sure Kirk has that thing that, for instance, Aaron Rodgers has or, you know, Patrick Mahomes has, and now you've got a guy like Joe Burrow. Um, but I think Kevin O'Connell, a former quarterback, really great players love him Matthew Stafford adored him this year with the Rams he was their offensive coordinator um, in their Super Bowl run I think he'll do really good things with Kirk and I don't see them getting rid of him because to be quite frank Kellen Mond is your option in the in the you know the backup realm at the position and I I know Mike Zimmer wasn't necessarily impressed (laughs) with him so um, yeah I, I you know I think they have some work to do in the draft though they have a lot of work to do in the draft they didn't hit many great ones last year Um, and so I think this is an important first draft for Kevin O'Connell and his new staff. 
our final few moments talking football with Stacy Dales from NFL Network. Overall, what we learned in the playoffs is that you need to have elite level quarterback play if you want to crack at a championship. I mean, yes, every once in a while, a team that is led by Nick Foles or Joe Flacco can come in and win a championship. But ultimately, what it takes is a magical run in the playoffs by that passer. And the rest of that football team has to be very solid, like Tennessee is outside of the quarterback position, like San Francisco is outside of the quarterback position. But it makes it really, really hard if that quarterback isn't operating at a really high level in the playoffs. If you don't have one of those guys and you're lucky enough to have the elite guys like a Mahomes or a Burrow or a Stafford, then you're able to overcome some weaknesses and you just have more cracks at being able to win a championship. Yeah. When you, I... when you, so when you look at the Bears and, and talking to the people that you talk to, I believe one of the most important decisions they have to make this offseason is in terms of identifying what is Justin Fields. Is he a guy capable of reaching that elite level status? Or is he a guy where everything else around him has to be perfect in order for them to win? Well, I think it's a fair question. I think there's a lot to be determined. Um, I So from my standpoint, just in my own shoes, I have great optimism, Zach, that he'll enter this season a different quarterback and leader. Uh, I think that it was um, – a relatively dysfunctional, with all due respect to the prior regime, a really dysfunctional system for him. Uh, when you go back and forth from the starting quarterback to, okay, you're the rookie, you're the 11th overall pick, and it's just this dance of, well, listen, when I was a basketball player, my coach always said, you're a captain of the team, you're my starter. As soon as you start hitting the gray area of, I'm not starting you this game, or I'm gonna, you're not in the starting lineup today, but maybe next week, that plays mind games. And I think that going into this year, knowing he's the full-time starter, working with an offensive mind. Now, listen, Aaron Rodgers raved about Luke Getze. Raved. And this is, this is a quarterback in Rodgers who's just different. Like, I, talking to the folks in Green Bay, whether it was Nathaniel Hackett or you listen to Luke Getze, he needs to be challenged in really unique ways. You have to find – I'll never forget Nathaniel Hackett telling me, you've got to find unique ways to stimulate him, not just every week but every day putting little hidden messages on the scorecards or the, you know, the play sheets in meetings on the whiteboard, like things that Aaron would notice that nobody else would. So Luke is going to bring a lot of that unique sort of understanding of how quarterbacks tick. And he also played the position. So I think with the notion that he'll go into this season as the starter, understanding the talent that he has, right? This kid is really talented. Just go back and look at his Ohio State stuff. And I, I remember in, in Luke's opening presser, he mentioned, you know, the draft process and visiting with Justin Fields and how impressive that Fields was in the Ohio State system. And I fully think after listening to his presser this year that they're going to design this offense around him with a strong dose of the run game. Again, I'm guessing a lot of, you know, West Coast, or excuse me, zone outside zone rushing scheme type things where, you know, you, but you got to have an offensive line that can do it. But, you know, that really will get, I think, a nice blend of him using his arm, getting the ball out quickly, and then striking when he has the opportunity. So I'm, I'm a believer, until I see otherwise, in the new system. 
And I think we're going to see a uniquely more confident quarterback this year in Justin. Good stuff. Stacy. always fun chatting with you. Thank you so much, not just for the football stuff, but your basketball perspective as well. <laughs> you know, I love you. Good to be with you guys, Zach. Stacy Dales from NFL Network, always fun talking sports with her. Let's take a break. When we come back, I'll share more of my Bears thoughts. We'll talk some baseball coming up oh, in about 15 minutes from now. And then we'll get into the Jawan Howard, Greg Gard, Michigan, Wisconsin, fracas, and aftermath at the top of the hour. I'm here until 9 o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we talk baseball. When will we see baseball this season and what's left for the Cubs and Sox this offseason once they do reach a deal? Whenever that happens, we'll also talk about the fallout from Michigan, Wisconsin coming up at the top of the hour. Bulls with Casey Johnson at 820. But I do want to hit some of the, the football stuff because we spent the last hour or so talking a, a lot of hardcore Bears football. And it all starts with Justin Fields because I think if you watch the playoffs, you understand that unless you have an elite-level quarterback, it's really hard to win a championship. I mean, can it happen if you don't? Yeah, but it's rare. And it, you can point to the exception like Nick Foles and the Eagles when they won it, and Joe Flacco and the Ravens when they won it. But it took a magical playoff run for both passers in the postseason for that to happen. And the rest of the football team that they had, both the Eagles from an offensive land standpoint, a, a running back standpoint, a defensive standpoint, a special team standpoint, and with the Ravens the year they won with Flacco. Great running game, great line great defense, great special teams. The Bears don't have those things. They don't. So unless Justin Fields is elite, man, you got a lot of work to do. 
And I don't necessarily believe that in one offseason you can fix all the issues that they have unless Fields is able to take the kind of jump you saw Josh Allen take in Buffalo between years one and two as an NFL player. And just because Justin Fields is posting into Instagram photos of his workouts doesn't mean that that's making him better, that he's all of a sudden putting in the kind of work that Josh Allen put in in his first NFL offseason between years one and two. So I know we're crazy when it comes to all things Justin Fields, especially the younger Bears fans on Twitter and Instagram and all the other social media platforms. And I know everyone has the image of him at Ohio State dominating. And he was a dominant quarterback at Ohio State. You didn't see that at the NFL level last year. You saw it for 30 minutes out of an entire season. Handful of plays against San Francisco. Handful of plays against Pittsburgh. And then all I hear are excuses. And I'm worried. Now, again, there's a reason that the Bears cleaned house this offseason. It's because clearly the infrastructure wasn't in place for a quarterback like Fields to succeed. So that's why you have a new GM. That's why you have a new head coach. But I just look at the fact that this guy could not read what defenses were doing. And I keep asking myself, is that going to change? Because if it doesn't, then you're looking at a more hyped-up version of Dwayne Haskins and Cardell Jones. And I don't want to see that happen with Justin Fields. That's my concern this offseason. And hopefully the changes that have taken place at Hallis Hall prevent Fields from dipping even more. And maybe you begin to see him ascend and live up to the kind of potential you thought when you traded up to get him last year. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Zach Zaidman with you until 9 o'clock. When we come back, all the baseball questions that we need answers to. Number one, will there be baseball? Number two, when? Number three, what will that mean for the Cubs and Sox? All that's ahead. Robert Murray will join us from fansided.com next on The Score. I think opening date is in doubt. Uh, I, I, it's it's going to be extremely difficult for them to, to not just at the negotiating table bridge the issues. Uh, that are out there, but for them to get the you know the player side to get the key agents on board uh, and to get the key players on board. Now it's a little easier for Rob Manfred on his side. Uh, it's a smaller group of people. They've been having ongoing discussions. Uh, so you know, and you know, if what happens uh, in previous negotiations happens, there'll be a fair amount of caving that takes place as they get to the end of this. But it's a whole different negotiating team for the players' association. I'm not sure how much they can, how quickly they can deliver on it. Sports consultant Mark Gaddis with Mully and Haw this morning talking about the baseball labor situation. Zach Saveman with you until 9 o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, right? Let's try to get 
some real answers here. And joining us on the score hotline is Robert Murray from fansided.com. He's their MLB insider presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Good evening, Robert. Thank you so much for joining us. So where are we? Where's the latest between the players and the owners? Yeah, they ended up meeting today for five hours in Jupiter, Florida. Um, and t- today there was there was no chance of a deal getting done, but they wanted to lay the groundwork and the framework for future negotiations this week. Um, they believe that they accomplished some of that, but the general consensus from both sides remains that they're very far apart. Um, but I will say there is more optimism today than there was last week or even the week before. Um, that, there, that there's a very real possibility a deal could either get done this week or even sometime next week. A lot of people, when they hear the, the issues, they roll their eyes. Can you simplify mm-hmm. them for us? Like, what are the big ticket issues here that need to be solved? Yeah, from the player's perspective, they want to be paid more. And obviously, that is going to upset a lot of fans because. They hear that and they hear, or they think of Mike Trout making four hundred million. They think of Mookie Betts making three hundred and fifty million. When in reality, not a lot of players make that, um, and their careers are pretty short-lived. And players want to maximize their earnings, and a lot of them are making six hundred thousand in that range. I mean, granted, that's a lot of money, um, but it could be paid more, especially as inflation has happened and um, and as ownership has made more money. While they're making more money, the players are making the same amount, and they want to be paid more fairly. They also want to hit free agency sooner um, because you have to wait six or seven years to get to free agency after reaching the major league level. Um, And that's a a very important issue. That uh, I've talked to Kyle Freeland of the Rockies um, and also plenty of other players um, who echo those comments and say that's probably the biggest issue of it all. Um, but I would say, and even like maybe not as big, but like a pretty important issue is trying to be competitive throughout baseball and not incentivizing these teams to tank. Because um, there's not a lot of competition in baseball. You see these teams, most notably the Baltimore Orioles, who are not trying to actively win. Um, and that's been a huge issue. And they're not trying to spend and um, I think that's a, that's a very important issue for the Players Association to try to solve and, and also why these negotiations, negotiations are going so slow. It's just because there's so much. And do the owners want things to stay as is? What are they looking for? Yeah, they're, they're trying to, I would say, keep things mostly the same because the CBA, as it's currently constructed, um, was – largely beneficial to them um, and they were making a lot of money um, and like it would behoove them to keep things the same obviously they want to um, they want to try to imp- improve certain things or for their from their perspective um, like one of them that they ended up trying to do was proposing where they were trying to control and the uh, the ability to reduce minor league roster sizes but they even came off of that today um, which is a sign of things like slightly moving, but um, I think the owners would, would like a deal to be close to what they have now, but I don't know if that's realistic or not. MLB insider Robert Murray from fansided.com talking baseball with us here on The Score. Are we going to have 
a full 162-game season? I'm going to go with no. I think it's going to end up being slightly shortened. Um, this week is going to be a very strong deciding factor in that because if we have a deal done sometime this week, then we can have free agency resume. We can have the Rule 5 draft go. We can have players report to spring training um, and undergo their physicals and, and a lot of certain things that require a season to get going. But if you have to wait longer than that, um, then that's gonna it's gonna end up being really dicey, and I I think there are too many issues for both sides to end up coming up with a solution this week. So I'm of the belief that we're gonna end up having a slightly shortened season, uh, but not by much in the end. And what are things gonna look like? Obviously, you you can't predict these things take on a life of their own. But just from talking to to people on both sides of this and knowing what you know, what's the end game here? In terms of the CBA? or In terms of the CBA, in terms of what baseball is going to look like once they do reach an agreement. What are the changes that are going to be tangible to us when we watch games? Yeah, I think the number one thing that fans are going to notice is there's going to be a universal DH um, on the field. Like That's going to be prevalent from day one. And it's also going to require teams to think differently with how they construct their rosters. Like, for example... Um, I think Nelson Cruz becomes an immediate fit for some of these NL teams. Um, you look at the San Diego Padres, you look at the Los Angeles Dodgers, you even look at a team like the Milwaukee Brewers who could use some more pop in their bat. So I would imagine that's going to be end up, or that's going to end up being um, one of the biggest differences we notice. And like to try to, it's this is somewhat CBA related, but to try to keep it to. Um, we're going to end up seeing free agency be unlike anything we've ever seen before. Um, because as soon as the CBA is agreed to free agency, from what I've been told is just going to be bonkers. And we're going to end up seeing Carlos Correa go. We're going to see Kyle Schwarber go. Um, we're, we have plenty of high end talented players um, that are still available that are going to end up signing relatively quickly. And down in Chicago, I would fully expect the White Sox and the Cubs to be active. Um, so I would buckle up because once this is done, uh, it's just going to be a free-for-all. And, and people across baseball, from whether it's executives or agents or scouts or players, are bracing for it to just be complete chaos. Fansided.com MLB insider Robert Murray is with us here on The Score. All right, now I think you've piqued everybody's interest because it, it sounds like just from the way you're talking about it, it's going to be like the opening of NFL free agency or what you see in the NBA during the summer where you essentially have mm-hmm. a, a week, but really a, just a couple of days where it's a free-for-all. So is that kind of what you're going to see once they do reach a deal before they actually start spring training? I, I think that's exactly what we're going to end up seeing here. Um, and you hear agents talk about it. It's just going to be players going off the board left and right. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm I'm fully bracing for it on my end. I'm already stocking up on coffee um, and phone chargers as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like if we're, if we're looking at from from your perspective from the Chicago market, I would fully expect mm-hmm. the Cubs to be looking at pitching pretty aggressively, even after adding Wade Miley and Marcus Stroman. I think shortstop or like somewhere in the infield. I think Jonathan VR makes a lot of sense. Um, and even with the White Sox, uh, you end up seeing like you, you. I heard them connected to Michael Conforto um, 
at some points during during the off season. I'm not sure if they're going to be on him again, um, but like those are just some of the things to keep an eye on. But it's scoring. I think you made an excellent point saying that it's going to end up being like the NBA and NFL for agency, where it's going to be free for all to start because it was even before the lockout, and it actually might be even more crazy uh, after the lockout here. You mentioned Robert. Carlos Correa. And right before the lockout started, uh, there Mm -hmm. were some rumblings that the Cubs might be interested. Is that realistic? When you hear uh, shortstops and the Cubs, and you mentioned VR, what about the big names? Yeah, I I heard that same buzz as you. And Marcus Stroman, it seemed like minutes after he signed, was already trying to recruit Correa to Chicago. I don't know if that's the realistic outcome. Um, I think he ends up elsewhere where that place is. I'm not exactly sure um, just because his market's pretty unclear at the moment, but um, I, w- I would expect the Cubs to dabble into the lesser market for shortstops or infielders and try to invest more into their pitching staff. Um, just, I-, I think that'll end up being what their strategy is. Um, and I, I like, even if they end up passing on Correa and going with VR, he's a proven guy. Um, he can, He's got a, a very good bat. Uh, he's versatile defensively, and he'll end up being cheap and allow them to make some other moves throughout the the off season or even at the trade deadline. So um, it may not be like the the headline grabbing move, but um, I, I think VR or someone along those lines is a lot more realistic than a Correa. Our final few moments talking baseball with Fansided.com MLB insider Robert Murray here on The Score. You mentioned you're not quite sure if Conforto to the White Sox is going to happen. Are there any other names that you're hearing linked to them? Yeah. Um, you can, like, it's, it's strange because like, early on I ended up hearing them even connected to some other free agent relievers, uh, which kind of caught me off guard just because they obviously ended up signing, or they have Liam Hendricks. They have, um, they ended up adding some other pieces in, earlier this winter, um, and they also have Craig Kimbrell on the roster. And I still fully think he's going to be a trade candidate once this is all said and done. Wouldn't surprise me if they try to retain uh, Ryan Tapera, um, who I think is one of the most underrated guys uh, in the bullpen in baseball. Um, I, I would I would expect them to to try to look for like even infield upgrades too. I know they ended up adding another piece earlier this winter, but um, just trying to find some other pieces throughout the roster, um, maybe even another starting pitcher too. But um, yeah, I, I think Rick Hahn's got a lot of options here and that he fully plans to explore them. You mentioned the DH earlier. Are we mm-hmm. going to see a real effort being made to change pace of play? Because we know that MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred has talked about this a lot, that that's got to change. Are there going to be changes that we see almost immediately once this deal is reached? I don't think it'll end up being immediate, um, but I think the talk of like even having robo-umps or things along those lines is becoming an increasingly realistic thought in at least a couple of years, maybe even a little bit further down the line. Um, but like, as you said, that is probably number one, if not pretty close, uh, on the top of priorities for Rob Manfred, um, in the future. Cause he thinks that's a, a very important issue, but I don't know if there's a real solution for him to truly speed up the game where it's like 20 to 30 minutes shorter. 
Um, and that's something that the competition committee, that's something that Manfred or even the players are going to all have to come up and like try to agree on. Um, I, I just, I don't know if he's going to end up getting what he wants, but I know that trying to improve the pace of play is, is very high up on his priority list. And last one before I let you go, are the playoffs going to be like what we've become accustomed to seeing, or is that, do you think, going to change soon? Yeah, there's been reports about that um, in recent weeks, and from what I've gathered, none of them have been true about like potential changes. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are some tweaks here or there, um, just because I think baseball is trying to find ways that can they can try to improve the game to relate to a, a different audience. Um, but I don't expect them to be like wholesale changes or anything. I would expect them to be more incremental than anything. Um, and I, I think the players will, will appreciate that too, because um, I, I, from all the players that I've ended up talking to, I don't think many of them have viewed changing the playoffs as like something that is like a huge pressing need um, in these negotiations. Robert, great stuff. Thank you so much for providing your insight. Really appreciate it. Hey, thank you for having me. Have a great night. Insider.com MLB insider Robert Murray helping give us a little bit of a better idea as to what's going on between the players and owners. And I guess the, the biggest takeaway from what we just heard is there's a, a very good chance that we will not see a full 162 game season in 2022. Zach Zaidman here until 9 o'clock when we come back. The fallout from the handshake line, the fracas that took place yesterday between Michigan and Wisconsin. Want to get your thoughts now that we know what the punishment is for both teams. That's next. 312-644-6767. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.